are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to another Monday edition of Locked On NBA, the biggest stories, the local experts. I'm your Monday host, Jackson Gatlin, also host of Locked On Rockets right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, We'll be chatting with Big Dave of Locked On Bulls as DeMar DeRozan hits a pair of insane game winners over the weekend. And the Bulls are now sitting squarely atop the Eastern Conference. Should DeMar DeRozan be in the MVP conversation this season? Then we head up north to talk to Sean Woodley of Locked On Raptors as the Raptors are finally healthy for the first time this season. How good can their team be now that they have all their pieces back in place? And lastly, as the host of Locked On Rockets, I will be breaking down what exactly took place New Year's Day at halftime of the Houston Rockets Denver Nuggets game involving Kevin Porter Jr., Christian Wood, and a reported blow up between those two players and the coaching staff. As always, thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen each and every day. Joining us now is Big Dave from Locked On Bulls. Dave, this Bulls team is just is just good. And at the at the heart of it is DeMar DeRozan coming off of a pair of insane game winners. Talk about a way to close out last year and start the new year right. A pair of insane game winners, first against the Pacers, then mm. against the Wizards. The first player in NBA history to have buzzer beaters on back-to-back days. Walk me through your reaction to these game winners. Oh, man. Well, the Pacers one, I actually was sitting at home with my mother, and I'm watching the game, and we're having dinner, and he goes up and he hits the shot, and I don't go crazy because I'm sitting right next to her. So I don't go crazy, even though she knows I'm, she's a huge sports fan too, but I'm, I'm trying to be nice. You know, I was like, wow, did you see what happened? You know, this is this is nice, right? You know, and stuff like that. The next day, New Year's, New Year's Eve, that game, when he hit that shot, I lost it. <laughs> I completely lost it. I didn't care who that, you know, people were around me. I just went absolutely crazy. I was out of my seat. That was absolutely insane because the Indiana one, that one, it felt like, yeah, we should have a chance to win this game. You know, they didn't play great, but Indiana played much better than they did. But it still felt like they had a shot, you know, to win it. And I wasn't surprised that they won it. The Washington game, I don't even think they belonged in. You could tell they were lost. They were slower. They were injured. Javante Green wasn't out there. You could tell they didn't have it, but it doesn't matter, man. When you're a team that's a winning team, these are the kind of things that happen to you. And Kuzma had that big shot at the end of the Wizards game too, and yeah, I thought that was going to be—I thought that was going to be the game winner. And then Demar Derozan had other plans, and the the degree of difficulty on those shots, right? The one-legged pull-up against the Pacers, and then the like the double clutch in the corner against the Wizards. I think, I mean, it, right? The Bulls are sitting squarely atop the Eastern Conference now, and I think. Yeah. DeMar DeRozan has to be in the MVP conversation this season, right? Like, he, he's he got to be there. Yeah, no question about it. Um, I mean, these two are just two huge stamps on that to why you have to have this discussion. The man has been absolutely phenomenal. He's been my most surprising, surprising player on the Bulls because I knew he would be good. I knew he would come in and do his thing because he's DeMar DeRozan. I wasn't expecting MVP level greatness. I wasn't expecting the set like Kobe, like Kobe Bryant looking three point shots to win the game. Like I wasn't expecting that kind of thing. And it's been a beautiful surprise. But yeah, you have to have them in there. You're the top team in the East when nobody has you there. I don't care if you had the Bulls 
in the top three. You didn't have them one. So having the Bulls as the top team in the East, seeing how well DeMar DeRozan has just acclimated and become, has meshed with the team, you know, has bonded and jailed, especially with Zach Levine, who a lot of people said they were concerned about their chemistry. They didn't know how it would work. Well, it's been working pretty well. It's been looking pretty good, man. So all those things and kind of what he's brought to the team, it reminds you what Chris Paul kind of did last year, you know, for the Phoenix Suns. That's kind of the same thing I'm seeing here. But he should definitely be in the conversation, no question. All right, he comes in and he brings that that veteran edge that I've kind of been there. I've been through these waters and kind of is is pulling together all the other younger guys on this Bulls team. And I, how do you think, Dave, this Bulls team is you know shaping up compared to the other top teams in the East? You right, you talked about nobody had the Bulls one right. You might have had them you know four or five, maybe lower, maybe higher. But how do you think they're shaping up against you know the Milwaukee, you know Miami? Brooklyn where do you think they stand against those other teams yeah that's where it gets interesting right uh because those teams actually have I guess the kryptonite for the Chicago Bulls um not so much uh the Nets even though Kevin Durant is the kryptonite for everybody it's just what he is all right it's Kevin Durant you have no answer for that but I think the Bulls can actually defend better against uh the Nets because the Nets are not a great defensive team either so they don't have that size either that kind of bothers the Bulls it's much different with Milwaukee no, again, nobody has anything for the Greek freak, but they have the size and the defense in, in Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. And then you got more size on top of that with Robin Lopez, uh, with uh, DeMarcus Cousins, with uh, Bobby Portis, you know, and guys like that. And they're the champions. And when you win a ring and you're trying to repeat, you, you know, it changes you as far as for the better. You know, you know how to win and things you need to do to get back to that level. So they are an issue. Um, Miami Heat, definitely an issue. The, you saw how they handled the Bulls in those two games that they played. Uh, the Bulls didn't look like themselves in either game. Uh, the first one, Miami didn't play a great game. They still won by three. The second one, they lost their minds from the three-point line and blew the Bulls out. And Dwayne Detman was looking like Hakeem Olajuwon against Vooch, and I was just quite upset about that. Dwayne Detman cannot be giving you the business, all right? That is not a part of the protocol. But they definitely have some work to do when it comes to that in the playoffs. But the Bulls, man, they I'm not scared of these teams. That's the whole point of this. I'm not scared, and they definitely have a shot to beat them for sure. Kobe White joined the Bulls late because of his shoulder rehab, and then he missed some time due to health and safety protocols. But now he's in the starting lineup for this team uh, across this most recent seven-game winning streak. How impactful has his return been for this team? It's been amazing. And if you've been listening to me on Locked on Bulls, I've been screaming about Kobe White and Bulls fans needing to be patient. And on the next episode, I got a lot to say about Kobe White. So you might want to check me out if you like hearing a dude yell and scream and be happy because it's going to be a lot of that. But Kobe White is just vitally important to this team. I kept saying he hadn't played for six months. You know, you don't do anything for six months. It's going to take you a while to get reacclimated. And then when he gets back in, he has to go into COVID protocols. You know what I'm saying? So that changed it a little bit. But now he got put in the starting lineup again because Lonzo Ball and Alex Russo aren't there. And it gave him time to figure it out where he needs to be uh, at. And if you watch his point guard play, it's gotten so much better. He is much more patient. He doesn't rush many things. In these last two games, he's played well over 30 minutes. He's had one turnover in both of those games. That is not the Kobe White we're used to seeing. And also defensively, Kobe White is better, which is also not the Kobe White that you're used to seeing. He's been awesome defensively. We know what he can do offensively for the team. 
they don't win either of those games that we just discussed without Kobe White scoring. It does not happen. So he has been huge, and I think he will continue to be huge as a piece coming off the bench that can get hot at any moment, but also can now provide you the other things that I just discussed as far as being a better point guard and being a better defender. You know, I, I had my questions about this Bulls team coming into the season. Sure, you know, just sure. so, so many pieces being thrown together all, you know, it not not quite last minute, right? But just trying to get it all to mesh right away, right? And they've they've gelled really quickly. But I think most of my questions stem defensively, especially with uh, Vucevic in the middle for this Bulls team. I was wondering, okay, how are they going to make this thing work defensively? They're flirting with being a top 10. I mean, they're currently a top 10 defense, but they're right, right. there, you know, on the cusp. How are they making things work defensively with this group of guys? Uh, well, my easy answer is Billy Donovan. Uh, I wasn't concerned about their defense coming into this season because last year they had much worse players defensively. I mean, we had Denzel Valentine out there. Come on now. It was much worse players defensively out there. And the Bulls were 12th in defense. They were still 12th because of Billy Donovan, because of Mo Cheeks, because of Chris Fleming on the bench. Those guys schooling those guys. Now this year, on top of that, when you're 12th in defense, you bring in two of the best unball perimeter defenders in the game in Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso, who both should be first team all defense. That's what it's looking like right now. You bring both of those guys in here and then you apply that effort, you know, with Zach Levine and, and with uh, Vooch is good. If you look at numbers wise, he's just average. You know what I'm saying? That's all I need him to be. I don't need him to just be uh, a Rudy Gobert or anything like that. I just need him to be average and that's fine for me. But the key of it all uh, Jay, is I think defense is contagious. Offense isn't contagious to me, you know, because everybody, nobody wants to miss a shot, okay? Nobody shoots to miss. But everybody can control their effort on defense. That is a, a thing that you can do. You control how much effort you put into that. Seeing Caruso, seeing Lonzo Ball, Ayo DeSumo, the rookie, who has been phenomenal also on defense, seeing those guys and how they're out there uh, defending, is contagious because then you watch Zach Levine step his up. DeMar DeRozan step his up. Vooch steps his up. Javante Green's a good defender. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. also playing defense. Tony Bradley, is he's a backup center, but he knows he's tall, which is all I need him to know, that he's seven feet tall and he acts like it. It's all I care about. So it's all very, very contagious in that team as far as when it comes to them playing defense. And you're seeing it every single night, man. It's It's really fun to watch. What's the latest on Alex Caruso's foot injury, and, and when can we expect him back? He's still rehabbing. Uh, he's, he is practicing. He was at practice, uh, or I should say shoot around, you know, getting shots up uh, with the team uh, before they left uh, for Indiana. So he's still doing that. I personally expect him back in another week. That's just my opinion. He might be back sooner than that. Uh, I wish I knew more people on the inside of the Bulls so I could give you a better answer for that, but that's just my opinion. I expect him back within that time and that's what's great about the bulls during this stretch without him going five and oh is the fact that it gives him time to heal and gives him time to you know get right and correct so you don't have to stress him about coming back because he is vitally vitally important to this team as far as their defense is concerned especially with the second unit Dave, a pleasure talking Bulls hoops with you. You're going to have us covered for everything Chicago Bulls over at Locked on Bulls. Thanks for stopping by Locked on NBA with me. JG, appreciate you, my man.
Coming up, the Toronto Raptors are healthy for the first time this season. How good can their team be now that they have all of their pieces back in place? But first, a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar because it's the new year. So that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar if we're keeping it 100. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good. You'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky, gritty, the consistency can be a little off and the flavors. Oh my goodness. The flavors. They've got so many amazing ones to choose from strawberry cookies and cream. My personal favorite coconut brownie chunk, raspberry mint brownie. You can't go wrong with a single flavor on their menu and you can check them out. Just visit built.com and use promo code lock 15 for 15% off your very next order of the best tasting protein bars on the market. Again, that's promo code lock 15 for 15% off at built.com. And continuing on here at Locked On NBA, where we thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen each and every day. Now, for your second listen, go check out Locked On Now, nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. Listen to Locked On Now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or watch it on our new Locked On NBA YouTube channel. Joining us now is Sean Woodley of Locked On Raptors. Sean, I'm very excited to be able to talk Raptors with you because I want the record to show that I believed in this team from the jump of the season. <laughs> we can go dig up the receipts from a Thursday edition of Locked On NBA. I have been a big proponent of this Raptors team since before this season even started. And look, I mean... It's been it's been a month and a half since the Raptors have had all of Van Vliet, Siakam, Ananobi, and Barnes all in the lineup together. How great is it to just see them all back on the floor together? Yeah, watching them today against like a Knicks team that was admittedly very depleted because of COVID and injuries. So I guess grains of salt are, be, are, are to be had there. But like, it was a delight to watch all these guys together. This team it was kind of sort of lauded for its like weird bizarro vision from the offseason right they draft scotty barnes and everyone's like well they should just take a point guard to replace kyle lowry and it very clearly sort of signaled a pivot towards uh, we don't care about positions anymore we're just going to roll with the players we like and if you're six foot eight or, or six foot nine that's even better and so this was kind of the vision that they had coming in and they haven't had the personnel on hand to execute the vision at all right like they've done their best they've tried to you know make certain guys work in certain spots but it has not come together but yeah, today against the Knicks, it was the first time, like as you said, in a month and a half, they've had their four core guys. If you throw Scotty Barnes into that, which you should because he's awesome. Um, it's only the fourth time we've seen their starting five unit as well of those four guys plus Gary Trent Jr. all play together. And it's only the first time all season long we've seen their top eight rotation players together all at once. So yeah, it's been a long road to this through COVID and injury and all that. But you know, the fact that they're 16 and 17 now and seem to kind of be hitting this wave of health after not having any all season long, while the rest of the league seems to be in a tailspin, it seems like they're kind of set up here to go on a bit of a run and actually execute that vision they've been sort of talking about and sort of teasing all along. How much better, Sean, do you think this Raptors team is than their current record would indicate? Yeah, I mean, it's not just the record, too. Like, their sort of numbers, their sort of peripheral stuff is a little bit out of whack because they had a game last week where they played against the Cavaliers with four rotation players who were all kind of deep bench guys and then four replacement players, and they lost by 45, and that kind of threw all of their, their metrics out of whack. But I think this team is, for me, like, if you look at, like, the cluster of teams in the East, in the East, 
in the Eastern Conference, sorry, um, you know, the Wizards, the Hawks, the Hornets, the Celtics. Like, I think the Hawks are the only team whose roster I'd take ahead of them, anyone who's below the sixth seed right now. And I honestly would take the Raptors roster ahead of maybe even the Cavs without Ricky Rubio. Like, they're a pretty deep and good team. And I think there's a real case to say they could push for a six seed right now. They haven't lost a ton of ground based on, you know, they've kind of treaded water pretty well here, mostly because Fred Van Vliet has been like an absolute horse for them. We should probably talk about him because he's been incredible. But like that sort of treading of water and getting to this sort of close to 500 mark as you go into the new year here, I think it does set them up to really be one of those potential top six teams in the Eastern Conference. And maybe that's a little bit too big for their britches. They have a lot of teams to jump, but I think they have clearly the best defense of any of those teams kind of in that sort of below six seeded range. I guess we call that the play-in now, so I can just say that. Uh, (laughs) I'm learning words here. I'm I'm, I'm rusty. It's the holidays. It's a a good thing we don't talk for a living, right? Definitely not. Yeah, no, it's 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 fine. Uh, (laughs) Back to where I was going. Yeah, I think their roster, their talent and the fact that you have a couple of their guys in particular and Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam playing some of the best basketball we've ever seen from those two guys suggests that this very much is a team that can potentially get into that, you know, actual playoff spot, and not even be in the play in by season's end. I need to make sure there's not like a mirror or something behind me because my very next question that I had for you was true to his name. Steady <laughs> Freddie has been one of the constants for this Raptors team. He's having another stellar season. He's averaging basically 25 and seven on 43, 39, 87 shooting splits. Incredible numbers for him. Should we be getting ready to call him all-star Fred Van Vliet? I don't think there's any question that he deserves to be one of the 12 East All-Stars. Whether he'll get the votes, who knows? Like, obviously, it's going to come down for for him likely to the coach's vote. And he does kind of feel like a coachy player. Like, he's like a six foot, six foot or 5'11 floor general who yells at people and is a good leader and all that stuff. Like, feels like kind of a coach-type pick. But, like, he 100% should be in the top 12 of Eastern Conference uh, of all-star consideration. He's been outstanding. His sort of on-court sort of, uh, you know, the, the numbers to reflect just sort of like the sort of under-the-radar stuff he does have always kind of been there. But this year, he's matched that with incredible production across the board. You mentioned the 21-5-7 and seven that he's at. He had 35 points today, seven made threes, a ton of pull-up threes, just totally stretching the Knicks defense to its very wit's end. And... He's just been that constant all the way through, right? Like this team is nowhere near 16 and 17, if not for Fred Van Vliet during this start of the season. He's been just everything for them. They've fallen apart when he's not been on the floor. Last I checked, they were 21 points better per 100 possessions with him on the floor versus him off. They get absolutely blitzed when he's not out there. He's been amazing. And I think, you know, he's not like the sexiest, like he's not going to do much in in an all-star game that's like dunking or hilarious passes or anything like that. He'll just make really smart dig downs on double teams and whatnot. And that'll be like his sort of all-star contribution. But I think he should 100% be there. He has been one of the best players in the Eastern Conference this season, one of the best guards for sure. And I think you'll likely start to see people talk about it more if they start winning some games here now that they're healthy. We've got to take a moment to acknowledge Scotty Barnes, who I will say, because I'm, I'm just out here trying to earn some rapport with Raptors fans, because I think Scotty, Scotty Barnes is my favorite non-Rockets rookie in sure. the NBA. I'm so high on him. I think he's got an incredibly high ceiling. He's already so impactful at the NBA level. La- coming in at the most recent uh, NBA, key, or, you know, NBA.com key, like whatever rookie ladder thing, he's clocked in at number two. You know, mm-hmm. what has impressed you about his rookie campaign so far, Sean? 
I mean, everything. Uh, he's been insane. But I think the thing that's great about okay, Scotty Barnes is... what specifically has yeah, impressed you? There we go. <laughs> yeah. I think the thing that I really like about Scotty Barnes is that he just seems to learn really quickly. Like, he won't make the same mistake more than once or twice, and he kind of figures it out. And, like, he's been emboldened by the Raptors to try stuff out, too, and test his limits. And so now you're seeing him taking multiple threes a game you're seeing him get the ball in his hands and he's asked to create and, and make offense and I think you're going to see something really interesting going forward here and again there will be some learning and sort of growing pains to go along with this I'm sure but the Raptors haven't really had a backup point guard all season in their first game at full health they basically had Scotty Barnes be their backup point guard they took him out early brought him in with the bench didn't play Malachi Flynn who was kind of the projected backup point guard coming into the season and if they're going to let Barnes do that, I mean, he's been just a delight to watch in the open court, in the half court. He's got so many counters already. He can kind of get his own shot in the middle of the floor as well. And so there's all these different things you can do with him. And they just keep throwing stuff at him and he's learning it. They're like, all right, Scotty Barnes, you're the center now. And he's like, okay, I'm a rim protector and I'm good at defense. And I can also score in the middle of the defense and create from the short roll. It's like, all right, Scotty Barnes, you're handling the ball now. Okay, I'll have five assists in this game and also get my own shot off. Like, he just kind of does everything you ask of him and is just so eager and willing to learn. And it's just you shouldn't have that kind of processing speed as a 20-year-old in your rookie season. But it's there. And I think he's kind of accelerated what you can expect from this team. And I think, you know, within a couple of years, you could probably pencil him in to be the best player on the team. But for now, he's just this wonderful connective tissue providing role player for this Raptors team who can take over in a pinch when he has to. But now that they're fully healthy, he doesn't really have to do that stuff. And I think you're just going to see him be one of the best role players in basketball because of all that stuff he can do and the dynamism he brings to the table. He's been an absolute delight. And yeah, I would say the, the fact that he can just process and learn things so quickly has been the reason for his success if you're looking for one sort of overall takeaway. Besides just staying healthy, now that they are healthy, besides staying mm -hmm. healthy, what does this Raptors team need to improve on to make a, a legitimate push towards the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, their second unit has to be better, right? It has not been good all season long. It's been kind of a rule that no matter who the starters are, they're going to be awesome and score like 100 points combined, and the bench will maybe scrounge together 11 points or something like that. It's been kind of uncanny all year long. But now that you have this starting five intact, hopefully knock on wood, you can play two or three of those guys with second unit guys at all times. There's no need to have fewer than two or three of your main five guys on the floor. And that's just going to make things a lot easier for guys like Chris Boucher and Yuta Watanabe and Precious Achua and Kem Birch to find their sort of roles and niches off of the bench. I think that's kind of the big thing here. It's also just kind of like getting the defensive side of the ball kind of back up to speed. This was a team that started off the season horribly on the defensive side, and they play a really complex, dynamic system that requires a lot of attention to detail, attention to detail chemistry, kind of being on a string, and it's just going to take some time to build that up. But I do think they have the potential to be a top 10 defense by the time the season is over. It's just a matter of building up that chemistry, which has not quite been there in the moments where they have been fully healthy this year. But otherwise, like, look, I'm not saying this is a team that's going to go win two rounds in the Eastern Conference or anything like that. But can they be a super annoying first round out potentially win a round if the if the bracket breaks the right way? I don't see why not. And I think because of just the guys they have on board, you mentioned like other than being healthy, like that's been the battle all season long is health. And now that that battle is hopefully taken care of, the rest of the sh stuff should kind of take care of itself. Last thing here for you, Sean. What's the latest on Goran Dragic? Should we be expecting a trade, a, a buyout? What's going on on that front? 
Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> like the logic here is all right, you bring in Goran Dragic and hopefully you kind of play him, showcase him for some other team, and then you flip him. That's not what happened. I don't really know the whole story. I don't think anyone really knows the whole story here, whether it's like a real personal thing for Dragic and he you know, had like an urgent need to leave the team or if it was just like a kind of mutual understanding. He's not playing, so I'm just going to go hang out with my family and we'll figure this whole thing out. At this point, I don't know what the trade looks like because he hasn't really performed to a degree where some team out there is going to say, yes, Goran Dragic is the answer. I know there's been scuttlebutt about the Heat maybe wanting him back or him wanting to go back to the Heat. The Mavs have been connected all along because of the uh, the Luka Doncic and Dragic connection with Slovenia. So we'll see. But like, it's really hard to find a match right now because Dragic makes a lot of money too, right? And the Raptors aren't just going to take back money for the sake of taking back money. It'll have to be expiring money if they're going to do it unless they really kind of fancy themselves as stealthy contender and then they want to go make some move to move to add maybe Dragic plus a pick can kind of be a package they can do to get a, a person in i think eric gordon is kind of like the apple of raptors fans eyes right now we can maybe talk about this on our own podcast sometime jackson but like you know that that's a possibility i suppose but it's just it's hard to see any deal coming together considering we haven't seen Dragic whatsoever so i guess i would sort of lean on the side of a buyout right now but anything could happen. He could get called back from over in Slovenia where he's been hanging out and he could come and play. And, you know, maybe he has a good month or so that puts him back on the radar for some teams. It's really tricky to kind of sort out. But, you know, I don't think he's going to play for the Raptors probably again. And I think, you know, what they get for him is kind of irrelevant at this point. I think they're just kind of hanging on and seeing what, what and they'll, they'll get with the best thing they can. But ultimately, the sort of prize of that deal with the Heat to get Kyle Lowry. Uh, was Precious Achua, who's been kind of impressive so far. And I think if you can get anything to add to that as your return for Larry, you're probably pretty happy. Forget what the haters are going to say. This Raptors team is a team on the rise. Sean, always a pleasure to be able to talk hoops with you. And you're going to have us covered for everything Raptors over at Locked on Raptors. Thanks for stopping by Locked on NBA with me. Anytime, Jackson. Thanks for having me, man. Coming up, halftime drama in Houston between Kevin Porter Jr., Christian Wood, and the Houston Rockets. And we'll get there in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked On NBA. Thanks for making Locked On NBA your first listen each and every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Go make some money. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Let's go ahead and dive into the reported halftime drama from the Houston Rockets Denver Nuggets New Year's Day game as I metaphorically take off my locked on NBA hosting cap and metaphorically put on my locked on Rockets hosting cap so what exactly happened let's set the table a little bit for a moment Christian Wood per Steven Silas which we found out after the game had taken place but before the reports came out surrounding what actually happened at halftime during this game Steven Silas said that Christian Wood broke a team rule and was therefore benched to start the game against the Denver Nuggets. Rockets started the game playing really, really well. And then Christian Wood and the Rockets' second unit gave up, let go of the rope, gave up a gigantic, you know, they had a pretty solid lead. They let the Nuggets rattle off 47 points in the second quarter. The Rockets largely looked lethargic. The effort wasn't there in the second quarter. So going back to the locker room at halftime, reportedly, 
Assistant coach John Lucas called out Christian Wood and Kevin Porter Jr. for their lack of effort in the second quarter. Kevin Porter Jr. took exception to this. Things got very heated between he and John Lucas. Kevin Porter Jr. reportedly threw an object at John Lucas and then left the arena at halftime. In another report from Sham Sharania of The Athletic, Christian Wood reportedly did not want to play in the second half of this game and refused to check in for the second half of this one against the Denver Nuggets. Steven Silas said post game that he decided it was a coach's decision not to play Christian Wood in the second half after he only played eight minutes in the first half going zero of four from the floor. So how serious is this situation for the Houston Rockets? I'd say it's pretty serious looking at two of your best players in Christian Wood and Kevin Porter Jr. who largely having you know, meltdowns at halftime regarding, you know, being called out for their performance by the coaching staff. Now, I will say that the two situations are, I believe, drastically different, and I believe there should be some context provided here. The team looked really good in the opening stretch of this game for the first nine or 10 minutes when Kevin Porter Jr. was on the floor. And then he checked out, and Christian Wood, who was being punished by the coaching staff and not being given his traditional starting role for breaking a team rule had to sub in off the bench and largely looked like he was disengaged, did not look good in his time played in his eight minutes off the bench. And so then by the time Kevin Porter jr. Had to check back in the rockets were up eight or eight to 10 points when KPJ first checked out. And then when he checked back in, the rockets were down double digits. So, Going back to the locker room, I assume that things were very frustrating for Kevin Porter Jr. Not to make excuses for him, but to see the supposed best player of the team in Christian would go in and give such a half-hearted effort. I'm sure that there were accusations being thrown left, right, and center in that Rockets locker room. And so when Kevin Porter Jr. was confronted with his own deficiencies to close that half out against the Denver Nuggets, he took exception to that. And the Rockets coaching staff elected to probably decide to move on and not play him the second half. So he left. And that's how that situation devolved, unfortunately. And ultimately, how should the Rockets handle this situation moving forward with Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood? How do you handle drama like this, which was supposed to try and stay internal, but then became public knowledge immediately after the game? Ultimately, they're going to have to suspend these guys. Now, whether that's for a game or two or whether that's for longer uh, remains to be seen, but ultimately I think that this hasn't necessarily spelled the end of Kevin Porter Jr.'s time in Houston. I'm optimistic that he can work past what this situation was. Reportedly, he has already reached back out to the organization and expressed, uh, you know, apologies at how he handled the situation given the current time, you know, tempers were flaring, all of that. Christian Wood, on the other hand, if it's true that he just flat out refused to check back in for the second half of the game, it really sounds like Christian Wood was responding very negatively to how he was being punished by the team based on his on-the-court production, and then when called out even further, decided to just completely shrink away. Whereas Kevin Porter Jr., I think, was frustrated by the lack of competitiveness from the team and also being called out for himself. So... I'm optimistic that Kevin Porter Jr., based on his prior relationship with Coach John Lucas, Kevin Porter Jr. has been on the record saying that he loves John Lucas. Kevin Porter Jr. has also said that this Houston Rockets organization, quote-unquote, saved his life. And that's not something you throw away very lightly. So 
Kevin Porter Jr. has come from a troubled past with the Cleveland Cavaliers and is kind of a reclamation project for the Houston Rockets. So it'll remain to be seen how they decide to handle this moving forward. For Christian Wood, I think it may be spelling the end of his time in Houston. The Rockets have a young, exciting center prospect in Alperin Shingun, who Rockets fans have been clamoring to get more minutes uh, all season long. And there were already some significant question marks surrounding Christian Wood and whether or not the Rockets would be holding on to him as a long-term piece during this rebuild or whether or not they would look to shop him at the trade deadline. And I think at this point, if you're the Houston Rockets, you pretty much have to consider moving Christian Wood as a top priority now. Unfortunately, this situation probably dampens any type of potential return you may be able to get for him around this NBA trade deadline. But then lastly, is there a bright spot for this Rockets team moving forward? And absolutely, Rockets rookie Jalen Green could not be playing better at a better time for this Houston Rockets team. He is becoming the Rockets' best player at the best possible time. Uh, he posted 29 points against the Denver Nuggets, his second highest scoring game of his career, doing so on 13 shots, insane efficiency, made it to the free throw line 14 times against this Nuggets team, and is really coming into his own as a rookie over the last four games since coming back to the Rockets lineup after being after being sidelined due to a hamstring injury. Jalen Green is now averaging 22.3 points per game, shooting over 50% from behind the arc in just under 30 minutes a night. So he is starting to really look like the number two overall pick that fans were expecting him to look like coming into the season. So there is a bright spot moving forward for the Houston Rockets. It remains to be seen how they're going to handle the situation going forward with Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood. But for all of that and more musings on the Houston Rockets, be sure to go check out Locked On Rockets. That's going to do it for another Monday edition of Locked On NBA. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Also check out Locked On NBA, the brand new YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, search Locked On NBA, like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. But for today's episode, that is going to do it. As always, thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts.